Right, I think I'm ready. Are you guys ready? Cool. Let's rock and roll. Welcome to the Bearded Fan Podcast. I am Andrew, and thanks for joining me on this episode. In this week's episode, I chat to Sito and Paul from Absinthe. Absinthe is their acoustic renditions collaborative project, and I caught up with them when they played their gig at the Music Box and Observatory recently. We chat about the collaboration and how it started, what sort of covers they do, and we chat about their most recent gig, which was opening for AHA when they were here for their South African tour. So, welcome to another episode of the Beard of Fin podcast. Hey, hey, it's Friday. Yep, they keep on rolling around. Can you believe it? it's March already? Unbelievable. Anyway, so this is a music-related episode. Um, I just wanted to give a shout-out to the Music Box and Observatory. If you guys haven't been there before, uh, you definitely need to make a plan. I will put the um, contact details in the show notes for you. I've saw absinthe there uh, recently and i just want to say thanks to sito and paul for uh, sitting down and having the conversation it was a great one nice and relaxed yeah so let's not uh, waste any more time and here's this week's episode i hope you enjoy yeah so um i didn't realize that absinthe had been around since what 2004 yeah is that right i mean how did you guys decide to do what you're doing because you're doing covers yeah is what 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 made you Man, uh, well, you're sitting around having a couple of beers and say, hey, it's not it's far off, not far <laughs> off. <clears throat> we used to live down the road from each other in, uh, on the west side and um, I was up at his house the one day and we were talking about music and uh, songs and from, from, the, you know, from, from when we grew up. And um, and before we knew it, there was two guitars out. We were drinking coffee and belting out a few songs and discovered that we had quite a lot of um, common interest in alternative 80s, 90s, indie, uh, indie that sort of thing. And, uh, and then we just sucked up this idea of playing as a kind of supper club indies covers band. Mm. That was where it kind of started. Mm. Something to keep us busy... During the week, some Out restaurant or something, yeah. <laughs> while you know, while our main bands would be busy on our normal weekends and festivals and that kind of a thing, we could do something more intimate and self-indulgent. That was the that was the criteria for us. It's like whatever you know, whatever we really want to pay tribute to. Sure. Um, and we started jamming, um, and and we realized that. We both have very sort of distinct voices, and together with with the harmonies and the choices that we would make in the arrangements, um, we had some kind of magic there, you know. Even down to our guitar playing, like Paul's got a really cool steel string rhythm style, and uh, and I've got this finger picking sort of nylon style. So they almost like complemented each other. We never like stepped on each other's toes when we would approach mm. the songs. Didn't have to work too hard to make it sound uh, like, something. like something. Yeah. Um, so, like when you take a take a song, I mean, what what do you what do you bring to that song? I mean, do you just do a good cover, or do you take a step back and try and 
change the style of it or I think what we try to do is um, show, so, sort of showcase what Sito just said, you know, trying to get the voices together a lot so that you can hear the harmonies and the, the different qualities, timbres of voices. They seem to work because we've got really different voices, actually. Yeah. Um, so we, we tend to work mostly on when we take a cover. First of all, it's got to be a song that we, we like, you know. Yeah. Um, it's got to be something that's got relevance to us. And then... Um, the idea is that we play Nirvana kind of thing with it, where it's like switch on, switch off, keep a, keep a lot of air in it at times, and then try and bring bring home uh, like a lot of light and shade because we play sort of acoustically a lot. And, uh, strip we, it down. We a strip lot. it yeah, down. Okay. And play with a lot of dynamics. And sometimes you'll often hear there's no instrumentation, there's just voices in the air, which we're quite happy with. Uh, a lot of people would be uncomfortable with, artists anyway, singers would be uncomfortable with, but. It um it makes it kind of I don't know it's just different it just doesn't sound like a covers band but it is yeah yeah so then when you know when I I heard the supper club thing the first thing that came to my mind was like the back of the moon kind of thing in the three sixty liquid bar was my you know my thought of it and then I see you guys have played there before yeah we yeah. have <laughs> funny enough uh, to our dismay oh really why. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's a lot of the time it's it's hit and miss with um, with some of the venues that we play. Okay. Um, especially when people think that we're like a normal covers band where we're yeah. just going to play whatever covers everybody's listening to at the time, and we're just we're just churning these songs out. Um, these songs are like very very personal, very self indulgent. A lot of the bands that we play, a lot of, a lot of the mainstream sort of audience don't really know. So I think for us, it's, it's, it's always been like we kind of take ownership in a way by the way that we interpret the songs. And so if you don't know who the original artist is, it almost sounds like it's ours. And venues like Back of the Moon, 360 kind of worked. Um, we, had, we played there a couple of times, right? And it was quite cool. But those are like heavy mainstream. Those are casino venues. Yeah, sure. sure. And, um, you know... People were, you know, expecting like what they want to hear, and it's it's a very different crowd, the casino crowd, you know. Yeah. Mm. So when our actual sort of uh, followers and fans and friends would come through, um, you know, it's cool because it's a different kind of venue for them as well. Mm. Um, but in general, <laughs> it can be quite hit and miss, you know. Yeah. With what yeah. we're doing. Yeah, because I mean that area is quite open, first of all, and there's quite. A, I wouldn't say lots of youngsters, but I mean there are there's a younger crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three sixty. There's a younger crowd. Lots that of going. ambient noise. All the slot yeah. machines going. Yeah, Exactly. Of course. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Surreal. 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 But we, you know, we still have fun and we still enjoy it. So. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So a venue like this place, the music boxes. Perfect. Perfect. Ah, yeah. Absolutely this is probably what was in our heads when we made this up in our yeah. in the first place. Yeah. It, was, it was never to play in venues bigger than fifty people, sixty people. Hopefully, you get everybody interested and it gets intimate and 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 you know turns into a collective usually uh, with people audience who, who like the same songs, you know, and probably they enjoy hearing a different rendition of them. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, this is probably what we had in mind, you know, except we're not wearing the polo next tonight. No, it's yeah. 
Because that was the original. All in oh, black, pull the necks in a corner nice. in a room the size you see down. Smoke-filled yeah. room. Smoke-filled, yeah. but you're not yeah, going to yeah. smoke down there. No so lids. You know. yeah. yeah, low lighting, yeah. Yeah. People almost talking in the background while we just mm. sing. And yeah. It's almost like uh, I just had that, that, that thought of, you know, in the Rodriguez movie in Searching for Sugar Man, mm-hmm. where he's actually playing in the back, but he's actually got his back against the yeah, smoke-filled place. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's great. So, um, and then, like, when you play in those venues, you know, I've spoken to a couple of guys where they'll say, um, you know, they'll be playing in a venue like that, but there's lots of, you know, people aren't really paying attention to you. They're having their conversation there. I mean, is, I mean, does that bother you? Or, or are you quite happy to be in the background when you're doing that supper club kind of vibe? It's <laughs> a great question. It, it is a great question. You know, we, we used to, there, there was a venue called Back to Basics in mm. West Dean, uh, which was the first place where we played and it ended up being our stomping ground. Um, it, it was really like our home. Um, we played there often and we would draw big crowds and, and, and there would be a regular follower crowd that would come. And a lot of them, uh, were so into the moment that obviously everybody's drinking and, you know, our name is also quite misleading, although we were, uh, sponsored by Dude's Absinthe for a while. Were you? <laughs> uh, yeah. And it was, it was a mistake. It was a mistake. We, we actually were reconsidering changing the name. Mm-hmm. But um, <laughs> to break the association, yeah, yeah, just because there was the, these expectations, we would yeah. get like a bottle of of abs- uh, a, a box of absinthe. Uh, what do you call it? Like six case. bottles of yeah. a case of, case. A, of okay. absinthe a month, and we would have to you know share it around with the crowd and drink it on stage, and this mm. whole vibe, and the wheels would fall off. <laughs> so there, there is a party element to 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 absinthe. Yeah. Um, but then with the intimate songs like Hallelujah, would be like bearing our soul and to be like. <laughs> like these girls are just going off just because they've been doing tequilas and, yeah, and, they're, like, and, yeah. and they're just having the time of their up. lives and it's not that they're, they're showing any disrespect Suspects, to us. Yeah. they're just like you know a little bit sort of you know uh, numb to the situation you know and, and in that case you know it is what it is and we've done gigs ridiculously I mean remember the gig that we did with our shirts off and you, <laughs> you ran off and, and vomited and, you know. so you know there are moments where we were like out of hand as well yeah. But in situations where they don't know who we are and we're just background music, we try to avoid those situations. And yeah. that's probably why we don't gig as often as we would like to. Uh, because a lot of these venues, you know, they, they don't care. And the people, the, the clientele that are there don't really know who we are. So it's quite a, yeah. it's quite a niche sort of concept. Um, yeah. the, the format, the song selection, um, you know, you, you can't just put us in any public place and expect, you know, people to just stop what they're doing and listening. You know? Sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it can go either way. And, and tonight I'm sure it's going to, I'm sure it's going to get a bit rowdy and we must just, um, you know, s- select our set list properly. <laughs> so we don't set ourselves up for failure. Yeah, for failure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, talking about that set list, uh, I would imagine over the last, I don't know, what's it, 20 years now and you almost 20 years, you've um, changed that set list or do you, have you got those, those staple songs that you always play? I think there's always been a core group of songs like from particularly the late well, 80s kind of era, Joy Division, Pixies. Mm. Uh, they kind of represent almost the kind of, that's where it started and then obviously we started choosing more widely after that. You know, we played Johnny Cash 
So mm. we don't mind playing Coldplay number. Mm. Um, which, strictly speaking, numbers. isn't really in the... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, a lot of people are like, ah. But, and you know what? You know, you play the song and everyone loves it. So what can yeah. you do? Yeah. And, and, it's, and it's music that influences us. Uh, yeah. So we, it's, a lot of the songs are not just nostalgic. They are uh, more current. Kings of Leon, uh, The National, more recently. Okay. Um, so we do, we do like um, like to add on songs, and there's songs that have fallen away from our set list as well. That we oh, we must have been to. through at least fifty or sixty in the last okay. fifteen years yeah. easily. Some of some we played once, never again. Okay. We've blown them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we've had some like one-offs. Uh, w- there must be at least ten of them. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a couple of others that we, you know, we've, we we resurrect from time to time because we know we played them fifty years ago or whatever. Yeah. Oasis, Columbia, or um, oh man, Depeche yeah. Mode's "Personal Jesus," yeah, "Condemnation." Uh, we did on our recordings, but we don't really never play it live. Never play it live. Yeah, yeah. it's weird, you know. It is so indulgent that we just kind of choose the songs that we feel like playing almost every time. Well, it was gonna happen eventually. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Where's the camera? Is it getting there? <laughs> I'm telling you, man. Why don't you? This is this is what I am made of, guys. This is this is what happens when you deal with me. You let me into your home and I trash. Why don't we share this? Yeah, you can share this or share that too. Share this, share this. Ah, Look, even the covers come off. I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed. I'm a heavyweight, ladies, and and prone to thinking. Does my heart no purpose? Sorry about that. Yeah, well, sorry, I set you up for failure there. <laughs> yeah, so those songs have changed over the years. I mean, are there ones that you know that are always going to get the reaction that you want? Or there personal favorites that you guys will always have in there that you... You know, the, 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 the dynamics change in every situation that we play in. Um, and sometimes we will we'll select a set list and realize halfway through that uh, this isn't the way we were planning with regards to the dynamics of the crowd. Yeah. Um, and I think I think that's always you know it's always a touch and go thing. It's it was something that we ad- we adapt to. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's no guarantee with with any song. You know, it's always dependent on our performance of it because you know we've been known to. Uh, uh, yeah, we can give you a different rendition the next time if you want. That yeah. the same number, yeah. you know. It's, yeah, uh, we approach it quite organically in that sense. Yeah, it, it's a kind of a, it's almost like a jam band, mm. um, and and then we rearrange the songs in a way that people could never accuse us of, of blowing them, you know. So we do rearrange. We usually refuel them out as well. So. Mm. What's really cool is if maybe you got a minute in and only when you open your mouth to sing the first line do people go, oh, okay, now I know what you're singing, you know okay. the song, you know. Yeah. Um, that's what we, we try to do is try to uh, take the songs in a kind of roundabout way but still pay them a bit of service and justice, yeah. give them a bit of something of ourselves. And, and um, yeah, it's sometimes we play different the same, same song differently mm. depending on... What came before that? What the audience is doing, and you know how many drinks we've had. That, that's true <laughs> as well. Yeah. You so you have a problem when we were younger, but you know, yeah, it's yeah. easier now. So have you ever, like, in the middle of a gig, decided, okay, it's not working tonight, let's change it up, or do you some, yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Often the set list, do you, you, after the fourth number, you just yeah. don't even look at it because you now you've decided you're going to go this route. And, we just oh, yeah. and you just start calling, just like, calling yeah, them. Yeah, start calling them. Yeah. 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 Which I mean, is actually a lot of the time. We don't have set lists um, that we stick to. We usually call them a lot. Okay. Um, sometimes we, re- we have a, a strict set list like we did for the gig we did with uh, AHA. Yeah. Um, and obviously we pulled in some of our friends uh, to play with us. Yeah. And so I wanted um, to talk about that because I mean it's been the two of you, and now for the aha and for tonight you've brought in other musicians. Um, mm. Have you done that before, or is this like yeah. the first time that? When we did our first, very first gig uh, at Back to Basics, um, we called a friend of ours in to play drums and drums in a sort of very minimal brush kit kind of way. And um, and it worked so nicely, and, and we were, you know we kind of had this chemistry going, Paula, um, and we did that for a couple of years with Paula, um, and that was just the three the three of us. And then every now and then we'll call in a, an instrumentalist to come and join us. Um, you know, I think we had Mark on keys, and we had Mark Bentel from um, from Amersham and cassette, and cassette, was, yeah, yeah. Um, had guys on guitar and Umpy joined us for rehearsal right. but not for the actual gig <laughs> yeah um, so we've always been so uh, kind of agile in that way but um, for the aha gig they asked us to and and more recently we've had Rion on on drum like light drums as well a bit of percussion he's been joining us for a few of the live gigs as well um, but for the AHA gig, uh, we were asked just to beef it up a bit format-wise so that we can you know, give it a nice big bang on stage and we put together a nice sort of super group of all-stars. Yeah. Um, and Waldo's joined us for a couple of gigs uh, just impromptu. He would just... If he That's true, to, yeah. happens yeah. to be at the gig and, and we'd call him up and he'd just run through stuff. He's, he's a genius like that. He can play by ear. Great. There's nothing that can get past him, you know? Um, and so we called him in and, um, for the, for those gigs, just like the impromptu kind of situation and it just works. You know, I think it helps that we're doing covers, well-known songs. Um, so every song's a hit <laughs> essentially yeah. and, uh, and they're well-known. So, uh, I think for this, when we opened for AHA, uh, we, we've kind of beefed uh, absinthe up to a, like another kind of level mm. in a way that we didn't expect would happen um, or didn't even know if it would work yeah yeah and yeah that was the adventure in it but we knew we had to do something bigger sounding for a bigger stage and and obviously we played with everyone already Waldo we played with Waldo quite a lot actually even before mm. Rian if I think about yeah. it Waldo's yeah. I was been actually played. just thinking yeah. the first time I played with you guys the first time I played with you guys I think was the end of 2015 or 2014 yeah man I was playing a gig in Santon and Sita had said to me now well, we're all of my playing at the library that's right yes. yes I arrived after my, my Jewish wedding yeah. with, <laughs> my, with my electric fiddle um, yeah, you guys said, well, why are you sitting in the audience? You need to be on stage. So yeah. Like, oh, awesome. Um, yep. Yeah. So just, you know, perfect scenario for me because I love this impromptu kind of stuff. Great. And, uh, I know the guys well. Obviously, the songs that they've chosen of it, you know, I've been listening to them as long as, as, long as they have too. Um, 
so then you know especially with the full electric kit with all of my with my super duper self-esteem booster <laughs> with the pedals you know because a lot of a lot of these these tracks originally have got there's a lot of stuff going on underneath in the original version of it that you miss mm. from the from the, the duo mm. version with, with Tito and Paul. Mm. So I can just I can just fill in. It's not about, you know, being expected to take over like a like a rocking folk fiddle. Mm. Um, yeah, it's also just about being discerning and really doing justice to these guys and to the and to the, the originals and to their interpretation. So yeah, mm. I think I've been, been, been moonlighting with you guys for, for probably been longer than most. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. He's probably. I think Walter's probably played with us more than anyone actually. Okay. Yeah. Over the years now, I mean, we've we've had. Uh, I mean, I think back to Bre- what's his name, Brendan Oret Oretz playing harmonica. Oh, yeah. We had Ross from Prime Circle jumped up for two numbers one night. Yeah. Carstens has played with us, I think, once. Mm. Am I right? Mm. Jumped up on a, on one of the covers. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. Um, it's that kind of thing, you know. So we like like to you were talking about the jam band yeah, kind of thing, man. so it's got that, that vibe about it. So there's yeah. not but it's like got a kind of rock under undertone. Totally we, come, we all yeah. come, from come from rock acts, you know. So, yeah. but then acoustically, it's like it's it's a it's a it's a complete sort of dynamic um, free flow improvising kind of thing. And I think the approach of it is is that anyway, when we reinterpret the songs, a lot of it is winding the songs down and like like really stripping it down to minimal, so you're not relying on production. That's why doing the whole band thing was a strange and wonderful thing for us because we haven't done anything like that with when we opened for Aha. Oh, yeah, um, and it was quite nice to interpret our sort of uh, approach to songs, you know, on that kind of production, you know. But yeah, that's. That's absinthe. Mm. It's purely uh, self-indulgence, and and it can scale, and it can scale <laughs> yes, back down again. And that's great. Yeah. yeah, we've done we've done gigs where it's just like our voices and acoustic guitars, nothing else, no amplification, not no, plugged in at all. Yeah, uh, wow. in, in a in a lounge, with, mm. you know, whatever, fifty people. Whatever. That was someone's birthday, fortieth birthday, I think. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a room this big with thirty-five people in a keeping dead hush, you know. Well, wow. well, you play without amplification and. Mm. And yeah, that was a full fifty-hour-long hour set, and yeah. everyone just kept and loved it. They people love that novelty as well. Of uh, it's not a big flashy presentation about it either. It's just quite genuine, quite real, and yeah. quite just is uh, what it is without trying to be too. Uh, it doesn't have airs and graces beyond itself. It's, it, There's power in in the in the minimal, you know, in that yeah. whole raw soulful uh, performance of it, expression yeah. of it, you know? Yeah, because sometimes I, I, I find songs are over, almost overproduced. Yeah. I don't know if that's the right way to put yeah. it. Yeah, you're right. It's like, um, we came to watch, I came to watch someone here recently, I won't mention any names. Ross, so, wasn't it? No, no, it wasn't ah. Ross. No, it wasn't Ross. No, it was... Uh, <laughs> him under the bus there. He'll, he'll accept it, though. He knows. He knows how I feel. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, it, was, uh, it was Jesse Click. <laughs> And um, no, well, he played uh, his latest single. He played acoustically here, mm. and then when I heard it on the radio, I was like, mm, "I don't like." Uh, you I prefer like, the acoustic like fair hearing. Acoustic for a lot of yeah. people say, even when I when when we do Vornabloom unplugged, yes. and I so, sidetrack here, but <laughs> uh, a lot of people that see us unplugged appreciate that more than when we do our full electric set. 
because they can hear the lyrics, they can hear the, the melody properly, you can hear every single note that's being played in, in separation where the, they aren't being bombarded by a wall of sound. You know? Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, there is power and magic in a stripped down situation like that. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of people gravitate towards that, you know. Mm. And as an artist, I mean, how do you feel about that stripped down thing? I mean, I mean, I mean you guys are, are good at what you do, but I mean, is there a moment of anxiety about... Yeah, especially when I'm stepping away from the, <laughs> from the power of the which is a full band, band. <laughs> a full band. No, I'm not. Yeah, no, I think I think it's um, it's fair to say initially it was quite it was quite difficult when we went out and played for the first year or two. We were quite used to being on stage with Sugar Drive or Bonnaboo. Yeah, you you're usually on a big stage with a lot of people in front of you and a lot of Volume, sound. And yeah. yeah. Mm. And uh, and now suddenly you've got no fancy gimmicks, no effects. You've got no, you've got nowhere to hide, and you can hear how badly you play, <laughs> how badly you sing, because uh, there's <laughs> nothing else there. That's all yeah. you've just put out, and you, and it makes you raise your uh, your game mm. in a lot of ways, and you realise how much a band protects you, mm. especially as a vocalist. Um, you can you know you get to hide behind that sound quite a lot, mm. and. Uh, with this project for me, that was the first thing I felt was I'd stepped right out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Those first gigs, was, it was like starting all over, dry mouth, shaky hands, forgetting parts, fluffing the lines. Mm. Because, yeah, just sitting and playing with nothing behind me was, um, was challenging, you know. But, um, yeah, it's like everything. You get used to it. You get used to the dynamic being a lot lower. But there is still within that world quite a lot of dynamic mm. away from full drum kits and yeah and blasting guitars you know it's um it's i think it's for me being a very important um part of uh, uh developing my myself as a musician you know it felt like a brand new start when we did when we started this 15 years ago because i was suddenly practicing again playing an acoustic which i wasn't really used to at all and and um and yeah, the, you know, the bare bones of it, the less is more approach, mm. the, sometimes just the smallest note hanging in the air is enough. And yeah. You learn that doing things like, yeah. like what we're doing with this. Space. Space and, and feel and dynamics and uh, all the musical things, you, lessons you, everyone gets to learn eventually. But sometimes in a band, you don't really, they aren't important depending on what your band sounds like, you know. Yeah. So, um yeah, it's learning curve like everything, and it still is, really. Yeah. So let's talk about uh, AHA quickly. How did that come about that uh, you guys opened up for AHA? <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be this is gonna be a funny story. Okay. <laughs> so I get this um, message from uh, one of the organizers uh, from Breakout Events, a guy called Bill Butters, uh, saying. Um, Cito, um, I don't know if Paul spoke to you about this or not, but um, uh, a while back um, I I told him that um, that Aha are it coming out. It was three weeks. Come on, and, a while uh, back. And uh, hadn't got around. And and I told him that I would like Absinthe to open for Aha. Um, it would be cool. Are you guys available? Or like, I was like, first time hearing of it. I'm like, this is the first time I'm hearing about this. Oh man. So I was like, we're definitely available, and we're definitely keen, and uh, and then, I don't know if we were, he started mentioning then already about uh, beefing up the, the format of it for the stage and whatever, but 
But um, I was like, oh, this is typical Paul. He's just he's just so blasé about stuff. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, by the way, uh, we're opening for Aha. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, they basically approached us and and asked if we'd be keen. Um, obviously, it was, it's it's a it was a crowd that had a lots of crossover because of a lot of nostalgic tunes that we do, and, uh, and similar because time of period, our, similar time period for a lot of the kind of songs yeah. in like eighties, late eighties, yeah. yeah, sure. That's and then, when they were big. Mm, so yeah. maybe the alternative dads rather than or mums would have maybe been. Interested in hearing us play those songs versus maybe not being big fans of Aha, you know? Yeah. But would have been there anyway. That was the, the reasoning from, from what Bill told me. Yeah. He felt it would be good crossover. And um, yeah, and then I forgot to tell you, man. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, see the listen. I'll handle it though. Yeah. Yeah, I got, I got this. <laughs> sure. So then. Uh, how did you decide what songs you were going to play on that night? Um, they gave us... It's so weird. Um, <clears throat> those are, those are all back and forth with the duration of the set. And we, we obviously wanted to, uh, you know, oblige the sort of uh, nostalgia vibe of things, but we also wanted to, you know, make best of the opportunity and just sound great in w whatever songs that we do. Um, so yeah, it was just, I mean, we ended up not doing Level Terrace Apart, which is one of the, one of our big songs, just because it wasn't sounding as good as the other songs were sounding mm. in this format. Yeah. And so we rehearsed a few times with the guys, a couple of times, and we kind of decided which songs before and after we had these rehearsals. Um, and we didn't have much time. We had, they gave us, in the end, they gave us uh, 30 minutes, and then... We ended up throwing one one extra one anyway uh, in the middle of the set, just because we found out that we actually had more time. But um, yeah, it was just what was going to sound cool, and all things considered, you know, I think we just try to put our best foot forward. Um, also, we haven't been gigging that often recently as Absinthe, so um, you know, every now and then uh, with gigs, we like to obviously throw in a new one and try something new, and we would have liked to have. Uh, maybe attempted a couple of new numbers but just with time factors and when we got confirmed and all that kind of a thing we just thought let's just stick to what we are good at and let's concentrate on getting it sounding good as a full band you know? that's great and then uh, you're talking about now that you guys haven't been gigging that much recently mm -hmm. i mean so how many gigs do you normally do in a year um it really fluctuates yeah. and it's a really good question because our manager is over there and I think we should let her answer <laughs> so that. So that question. <laughs> 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 I just get thrown into the middle of it. I tour about 364 times a year. Uh, <laughs> 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 Fake news. Fake news. Um, <laughs> <laughs> look, we've, you know, we're all, we're all busy and stuff so I think when we do get onto the circuit properly, um, I think the the one-off gigs are okay, but they're not great when you you know when you it feels like we're we're reinventing the wheel all the time. Yeah. So we've got a couple of gigs lined up. We rehearse. We get it nice and oiled, and then we're in that flow. You know, um, it's not something that we could just spew out. And also, we're just we're busy in our own sort of individual capacities. So, sure. Um, I've got. Besides Bonneville, I've got two other projects, and Paul's like, 
he's like in his cave doing serious <laughs> medical copy work. Um, so to get him out of the cave, you know, it, you need like an aha opening or something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> That's not true. And even that is like, you know, he's so blasé about it. That, yeah. you know. No, look, yeah, I love playing live probably more than the next guy. I really do. It's um, uh, the aha opportunity was great because it's the first time I, I personally have been on a big stage for well over a decade. So from from that point of view, I really wanted to do that show to feel feel that again, yeah, again, you know, Mm. the the speaker, the stage, the power, everything. It's not the same as playing down in the music box here tonight. I mean, it's just different, you know. Yeah. And uh, those opportunities are typically rarer than what we're doing tonight. So um, that's why it it was never going to be a question of not doing that that gig. Um, if I have, not for my side anyway. Sure. As much as I was blasé. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, you know, you get back up on a stage that size again, and you remind yourself uh, of what it's all about, man. The the incredible feeling, the the power of music. Um, the response from the, the crowd. Response. Yeah, I was going to say the energy that you get yeah. from the crowd. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's why it's why we make music in the first place, really, for those moments, you know, to try um, to try and get those moments, and then you hold them on in your head for as long as you can till the mm. next one, yeah, uh, comes along, and, and you feed off of it like a vampire. <laughs> Makes you walk different. No <laughs> one talk. messes with you. <laughs> you, get you, first, you get served first. You get served first in Nando's, man. <laughs> 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 and now, and I mean, now that um, people have seen you play uh, open for Aha and all that, would, do you think you're going to get some traction out of that in terms of people knowing who you are together as a unit? Because I mean, I'm sure a lot of people know you individually yeah. for the so the, the bands that you're in. When they announced um, <coughs> uh, that we were opening uh, alongside other artists like Art Matthews and mm. Becca and uh, James Deacon. Um, I saw some response, some posts, some comments uh, on that post uh, on Facebook. WTF? For like saying, <laughs> okay, uh, I know who Art is, I know who, I don't know who the hell Absinthe is. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think the, the, when we first started as Absinthe and we play like different venues, a lot of venue owners um, would sell us as Cito from Vaughnaboom and Paul from Sugar Sure Drive. enough, yeah. Because um, who the... F- fuck is absinthe you know and what is absinthe and and so it was quite funny just seeing that kind of response um people not knowing the background behind absinthe you know which is really basically an all-star duo (laughs) um and 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 this and and it was nice seeing the reactions afterwards and yeah we have had a couple of spin-offs tonight was is one of those okay great um and uh, thanks to our wonderful manager, Yolandi. Seriously, and, from two weeks ago. And it looks like we've got another one in a couple of weeks at 44 Stanley. Oh, yeah. At Calexico. Right. Cool. Calexico. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely a, a good marketing tool for us to, to, to open for AHA, um, which is great because, man, I get so much love and passion. Well, I feel so much love and passion playing in this project. Uh, and it brings it back down to you know why I'm doing this whole music thing in the first place you know for the love of it so and then getting Waldo in tonight 
Um, we had a, a, a really killer rehearsal a couple of days ago, yesterday, oh, yesterday, a day ago. Um, despite my... Uh, Interesting choice of adjective. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's weird, it's like he's, he, he's breathed another kind of new uh, life and identity into our music. That is so true, what you just said. You know, considering we just had that experience two weeks ago of something, in the first place, a full-size band, uh, you know, a full-strength rock band version of Absinthe two weeks ago on the big stage. Fantastic experience. But so soon afterwards to be sitting, as Sito says, in a rehearsal two days, three days ago with Waldo, and I'm sitting there going, I'm closing my eyes in bliss as we're rehearsing, like a listener, an appreciator, and uh, it, is, it just changes it into another beast again, you know, from what it was two weeks ago with five guys, three tonight, it's another thing altogether. Yeah. There's a, a different bunch of songs, and um, so we'll still be playing the ones from two weeks ago, but differently. Yeah. Um, and it really is quite, quite a rewarding to to ha to have something that metamorphoses so so easily, and um, and and also to play with talented guys, you know, helps. You're saying I'm talented. I was speaking about, about Waldo. Waldo. <laughs> Sorry, I put I do my head up. Oh, man. <laughs> uh. <clears throat> anyway, guys, thanks. Cool. Uh, thanks for your time. Thank, Thank you. you. It was great to chat. For uh, the opportunity to let us blurt. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. That's something we didn't discuss uh, with Absinthe, is the, uh, besides the music, <clears throat> um, actually what saved us from bad music playing is is our, our ridiculous rapport um i don't know him taking me out we we would have uh, when we first started off it was because it was so shaky on its feet that we kind of sort of restyled it a bit like rat pack like we would throw jokes in and and false start songs deliberately All right. just to get the audience on our side because we were just really not at it you know? <laughs> so it became a bit like more entertainment than music like stand up you know? yeah. yeah like stand up yeah. so we were like the rat pack kind of thing like you know Dean Martin Frank Sinatra that sort of thing where you'd be like riffing off of each other in between songs just to try and pad out a bit of time try and get the audience <laughs> on your side yeah and then you know break the ice and then incorrectly start the next song or whatever you know <laughs> It was that kind of thing. It was a little bit of um, like humor and yeah. So there's like a bit of banter, 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 banter between you guys yeah, on the stage. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah. yeah, it's so as if we're rivals, like, know, yeah. but we've reluctantly yeah. come together. To yeah, yeah, this, yeah. So. <laughs> it's got a greater good cool. or something. So, yeah. Cool. Thank you. Thanks, man. guys. That's great. On that note. Thank on you that note. Much, yeah. <laughs> Well, there you go. That's this week's episode. And if you would like to um, listen to a good cover band played by some of the superstars of South Africa's uh, music scene, uh, both Sita and Paul, I would go and check out on social media where they are going to be playing next. Their details are in the show notes. Go follow them on Instagram, on Facebook. And that, my friends, is the end. I'll catch you next time. <laughs>